This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Our guest today is Keith Dean, who is a board member on the Mississippi State Board of Funeral Service and a funeral director here in Mississippi. Keith will speak about the costs and options of planning a funeral. Also, as we do every Tuesday, we're able to take your personal finance questions. So give us a call today. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. Good We're morning, freezing. Kevin. We're freezing. It is. It's pretty cold. It is rather dramatic, I would say. Uh, before we get to financial news in the news, I have a little bit of personal finance-related oh. trivia to share. Uh-oh. It was on this day in 1946 that the first First drive-up banking facility opened at the Exchange National Bank in Chicago. Oh, that's interesting. Way to to go, Exchange National Bank. Well, and it would be Chicago because if you think about how cold Chicago is (laughs) right now, yes, yes, that makes sense. But you cannot ride your bike or walk up to a drive uh, through banking thing. They they will not. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right. Well, they don't want you to get hit by a car. Right. They they claim it's you are. That would be you standing in the middle of the street. That's, that's, right. what that, okay. that's what that is. And, of course, now we've uh, made progress to the point where we can just take a picture of our checks and right. do who, deposits. Who needs, who needs, <laughs> who needs to go to the Although, bank? Surprisingly, they are, uh, particularly in America, uh, physical bank locations are still going strong. And I don't really understand it's, that, especially with the marble floors and the big chandeliers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, I mean, who you know, I, there are still plenty of people who do need to, you know, come in and cash their checks, come in and do various banking services. There are plenty of people who, you know, aren't coming. Especially if you're if you're a small business and you're handling small cash, businesses, yeah, yeah, and folks who don't have access or just don't have a good enough phone, you know, to do that, or just not comfortable doing all their services on their phone. So, uh, but still, it's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, you can look at just any given neighborhood around town, and there's like it's like why are there four banks here? I don't. Yeah, it's kind of like, like churches much, in Mississippi, right? <laughs> there's there are probably slightly just just a, just a few less uh, banks than churches. I, I well, suspect. and the other thing is the banks are older, so there's not teller windows and there's one teller working right. who is working the drive through before they work the people who you come in, which has always that. been a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. It's like, hey, I came in, <laughs> give me a lollipop and cash my check. <laughs> Oh, well, my bank gives you cookies. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very fancy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, How about financial news in the news? Uh, So towards the end of the year, there's a number of things we start looking at in uh, client portfolios. And so if you you have your own investment portfolio, you might want to start looking at this. What we're doing a lot right now this month is uh, looking at taxes uh, and seeing, you know, have we made any trades that are going to result in a big tax bill this year? Uh, Have we made any trades that might result in you having a little bit of a loss? Uh, and maybe we can offset some gains somewhere. 
It is a little tough this year. The market is uh, the U.S. market is sitting at all time highs. Um, a lot of the smaller mid caps are catching up with that as well. Um, even uh, international, even fixing. I mean, there's not a lot of places to find losses in portfolios. It just, but it does just depend on uh, when and how much you invested in various things. So uh, it's possible to find some stuff. So that's what we're going to be scratching around, see if we can add some value, uh, save some money on taxes for folks. Otherwise, get ready to pay the tax bill. Yeah. Well, April. If, yeah. and, right. And of course, if there's anything harsh, you know, maybe someone uh, did need to sell a security that ha- had gone up a particularly large amount. Uh, maybe they made a large withdrawal from an IRA or something. P- getting them ready for that tax bill. Um, so it's just, not a shock. Just so it's not a shock. Absolutely. And the other thing is, um, if you're 70 and a half and you have an IRA, then you're going to be subject to required minimum distributions, mm-hmm. RMD. So you need to make sure you take out the amount that the IRS says you need to take out by December 31st or there is a 50% penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm one of those that's uh, going to have a tax bill this year as opposed to a refund, so I'm, I'm glad that uh, you can... Oh, my heart just bleeds oh, for you. That's, that's, that's <laughs> tough, Kevin. Tiny little violin the over here. Ice, the ice is not only outside, it's here in the studio as well. Jeez. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a good thing that you can prepare your taxes in January so that you can plan and have time to exactly. have the money by April. But exactly. Yes, Okay. All right. Let's um, let's move on quickly from that. Hey, um, our guest in studio today is Keith Dean. He's a board member on the Mississippi State Board of Funeral Service and a uh, and a funeral director here in Mississippi. Keith, thanks for joining us today. I enjoy. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Now, our producer Liz Gill tells me that you have an interesting story about how you got involved in the funeral business. So, if you would share that with us. Well, my dad, uh, my father is a pastor, and uh, and when we were coming up, he pastored a church about. Eight 80 miles from where I lived. I grew up in Lexington, Mississippi. He pastors a church in Shaw, Mississippi, and one of the gentlemen who was at our church did not have a car. I lived in Lexington. He lived in Shaw, but he went to school in Scuba, Mississippi. Ah, yeah. So oh, wow. every every Friday evening at four o'clock, I had to go to Kosciuszko to pick him up to catch a ride to, to catch his ride. And every Monday morning at five, I had to take him back to Kosciuszko so that he can go back to Scuba. I was afraid of dead people, but I would read his books and I would see the uh, read the pictures. I'll read the book and look at some of the pictures, and it got more and more interesting to me. And at the age of 15, I went down to my local funeral home, and I asked for a job. And the rest is history. (laughs) And, you know, it's a good business to be in. We're all, um, we're seeing an aging population. People keep dying. It's crazy. Yes, we all will face that. And so those funeral costs are inevitable. Yes, they are. But there there are a lot of changes that are taking place in our funeral industry. People are living longer. And I normally joke a lot of times. I say, and then they put airbags on the driver's side and the passenger side. Oh, no. (laughs) It cuts into your business. (laughs) All these safe cars now, bag of cameras. I'll just tease it with you. But there there have been a lot of drastic changes in the funeral industry. I've been doing this for 38 years, and I have owned my own funeral home for 28 years. So I've seen a lot of changes. Some for the better, uh, some are not. So it is a sensitive topic. Uh, you know, no one wants to think about when they when they die or when they pass away. So what, maybe give us some tips and some ideas about how to get this information shared with your family, because it is important. Uh, so what are your tips and suggestions on how to broach this among family members, especially as if Nancy mentioned, you know, maybe you have some elderly parents or something? Well, unfortunately, my mom passed 
five years ago. I was at church speaking, and she passed at the church. But before then, my father's yet living, and I have a little nephew who's my brother. My my dad is 80 years old. He's been raising him by himself for five years. So therefore, we were prepared for my mother. She was financially capable, financially able. And even with me owning the funeral home, she did not want me to call. She didn't want to be a burden on me to pay for her funeral. So she did leave money to take care of her own funeral expense, even though I owned the funeral home. In our business, I see more and more society's changing. The older people, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, they prepared more, either by taking out burial insurance or life insurance. They were prepared. I see a lot of the younger generation, younger people now, they're not as prepared. I don't think they think of it before, because now we feel like we're going to live forever and forever. But it is something. I mean, we say death and taxes. I can't tell you about taxes because you may not pay them, but you are gonna, you're gonna, we are going to die one day. And that is something that we really need to be prepared for. Uh, we're visiting today with Keith Dean, a uh, funeral director in Mississippi. If you have a question about funerals, the costs or options available of a, for a funeral, or if you have a personal finance question, you can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Also, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Before our first break, though, we will talk to Jenny, who's called in from Vicksburg. Good morning, Jenny. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Um, I was just had a question for y'all. Y'all were talking about trivia and banks and whatnot, and I was wondering if any of you knew where the term bank teller came from. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't. Do you? Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Well, tell us. <laughs> okay. Well, back during the Great Depression, when everyone um, the stock market crashed and everyone lost their money, they made the women go and tell the people, "You have no money here." So oh, they were wow. the wow. teller. Wow. Oh. I mean, just to be the bearer of bad news. Wow. Yes. yes. I heard that a long time ago on something I was listening to on the radio. So I was just going to share that. That's interesting. That Thanks interesting. for sharing that, that bit of okay. trivia. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah, that's interesting. That boy, what a horrible. Here, you go tell them. <laughs> yeah, and 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 isn't it just um, obvious that they would choose the women to do that? Mm, yeah, exactly. you go be the bearer of that's bad because news. Because women are more sensitive, so they were able to relate to the people better than men are. That's a stereotype. Well, just, she's going to stereotype. I, I'm going to stereotype right back. <laughs> I would just want to be able to run fast. Right. That's a, well, that's probably it too. They're probably in better shape. All right, uh, let's uh, take our first break this hour. When we get back, we will. Uh, begin and dig into our discussion with uh, Keith Dean. He's our guest today, and he is a funeral director in Mississippi and a board member of the Mississippi State Board for Funeral Service. So if you have questions about funerals, the financial uh, part of a funeral, you can give us a call or a personal finance question. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 So in the language of flowers, which ones are associated with funerals? We'll have that information for you when we get back. You're listening to Money Talk. Talks on MPB Think Radio.
The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. If you missed part of this show, you can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org to listen again. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all of the MPB Think Radio shows. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with our guest, Keith Dean. He's a board member on the Mississippi State Board of Funeral Services and a funeral director in Mississippi. So according to one one funeral guidebook, uh, dark crimson roses traditionally signify mourning, while tea roses express eternal remembrance. Marigolds have traditionally been associated with the sun and hope of a new life or resurrection. And in Mexico, marigolds feature strongly in the Dia de los Muertos celebrations. And pardon my Spanish on that one. Um, so, um, Keith, what, could you? What are some typical costs associated with a funeral? Most of us listen or watch TV every day, and all the commercials tell you that the average cost of a funeral is around $8,000. That is, that's typically true, but uh, things are changing. More and more people are now going to more economy funerals. Um, and so what would be um, an economy funeral? What would be involved there? One thing that's happening now, there's a lot, there's a great increase in cremations even in the state of Mississippi. And that used to be, um, you know, a, a big no-no because of your religious tradition. That is correct. Mississippi has the lowest cremation rate in the nation at around 23%. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Five years ago, we were at 13%. So it is rising. That's a big, that's a big that's, change. That yeah. is a big change. And, and the reason... As, as I mentioned earlier about the younger generation, there was a time that we took the opportunity to own. We took the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to uh, we made funerals more memorable for the deceased and for the family. It's the beginning of our healing process. Now, a lot of things are done quick, in a hurry. I really don't want to face it. And a lot of people think it's because of financial reasons that cremation is increasing, but it's not necessarily though. Not necessarily so. But finances do play a reason, or do play a reason. In in a community, the each funeral home may have a different and usually would have a different price point. There are some funeral homes. So, so can you shop around? Is uh, that, should you shop around? I think you should shop around. Not only that, there's an old saying that says you get what you pay for, <laughs> but sometimes that's not necessarily so. There are people who don't spend a lot of money, but the funeral home provides good services. Mm-hmm. There are people who spend a lot, but are not satisfied with the service that they get. I think the best thing to do is, not only when you're shopping around, you also want to go somewhere, not just because you can get something cheaper, but you want to feel comfortable. You want to make sure that that this funeral director, this funeral home has time for 
me or that they're compassionate, not just here for financial gain, but they're here because this is what they love to do. But, you know, when you're facing um, someone has died, and you're involved in the planning and you're meeting with the funeral directors, you're close enough of a family member to feel a little guilty if you're looking at the price. Well, at the end of the day, you two guys are financial advisors. You should. You should. You should pay attention to those things. Yes. And and we have to... The funeral director, especially in my community, is more than just the funeral director. Sometimes I have to be a banker. Sometimes I, I, I'm a loan officer. I'm a banker. I'm a, uh, if so, I can tell you the number of services that I've given away because people were not prepared, um, it makes a difference. And um, so now with uh, the funeral industry, is it uh, if you go in and you don't have the funds, will they set you up on a loan at that point? Uh, do you? Is that what you guys do? Are you involved in financial services as well as burial? Most funeral homes will not finance your funeral. The intention is not to because we don't have the collateral. Uh, Most times, if you're capable of getting a loan, you're going to get it from a bank. So the funeral director, a lot of times, in my case, there are a lot of times I cut my prices Mm -hmm. and affect even the way that I have to take care of my family to to take care of the needs of other families. So that's why I say again, we need to be prepared. Pre-need, pre-arrangement. It's like going to a store and putting a funeral on layaway. Mm -hmm. There are people right now, they plan for everything else. Last year this time, they started putting money in their Christmas plan, start putting money in the Christmas for so they can have money during the Christmas time. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to leave here. So we need to start putting money. But I think shopping around is good, not just for the economics of things, but also uh, for a good director, a good funeral home that cares about your needs. Well, I'm not a, a big fan of um, prepaid funerals. Okay. But I think the advantage there is what I hear from families is to know that, especially if you're talking about an older person and they have done this and they've they've already designed the service, they've made all the choices, that that's such a relief to the family to not have to do that. So, uh, I mean, that, that kind of that planning aspect is brings up, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, we work with folks who were, um, you know, we, we make great plans for what's going to happen to folks' money Correct. after they die. But you're talking about, you know, what's going to happen to your actual body, which is you know, very important as well. And, and paying for it, even for folks who do have the means, you know, a reasonably wealthy person um, who has the means to have a funeral paid for, just the technical aspects of, well, how is, uh, you know, how's my son going to access that money when I'm, when I'm dead? Um, where does that money need to be? You know, how, um, will, will my son have enough money to, to pay, f- pay for me and, you know, get maybe reimbursed out of the estate or when he inherits money? Um, so what are different things that you see folks doing uh, in order to, you know, for someone who does have the means to have a pay for whatever funeral they want, what do you see folks doing uh, in order to make sure that the money is there when they do die? I think the most important thing is to have a conversation with your family. Oh, yes, I believe that. And to have everything in order. I have a friend of mine, and he's a single parent, and he's at the retirement age. And the other day we were talking, 
And he said, I have no, uh, no ch- I don't have a wife, uh, my son. So what, he, what he's done, he's got everything that he wants in a folder. Mm-hmm. All of his insurance policies, all of his policy numbers, where everything is, the safe that is locked in, where to find the key. He shared that information with his other family members, with his siblings. And I think that's one of the best things in the world. Now, me personally, if I prefer not doing a pre-need because of all the other expenses that come, that's involved with that concerning the funeral home, an executor, we have uh, the money. The state governs the amount of money that has to be put in the trust. Mm. Then you have to pay all the other fees, and um, then we do not know the future of the inflation of the funeral cost. Mm. So, therefore, what when a person passes ten years later, sometimes the inflation rate hasn't gone up enough to cover that expense. The same funerals that I gave that I was selling for for four thousand dollars twenty years ago now cost me seven or eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So I have to provide that same service for that contractual agreement that I made, and sometimes the money that we get from it it doesn't it doesn't add up. Mm. Well, the other thing I think about is um, because we are a mobile society. Um, you know, I'm not sure where I'm going to be when I meet my maker. Um, so when I, if I pre-plan and I attach it to a particular funeral home and cemetery, well, maybe I'm miles away by the time that happens. And so that's been my concern. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. So why don't we uh, invite uh, Roger from Florence into the discussion. Good morning, Roger. You're on there with us. Well, good morning. I'm driving hands-free. Oh, oh, good. Hear me okay. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, just this is out of place in your current conversation, but I don't want you to overlook trying to encourage families when their old people uh, are still alert to get together and write a good obituary that honors the person, honors their loves and desires and accomplishments, and don't wait till the after they're gone and everybody's in a rush and sad and and, and you see some obituaries mm-hmm. that you know are not complete and mm-hmm. you see others that are very complete. I suspect that was preparation, so please comment on that. Thank you. I'm going to hang up and listen. Right. Your program. Thanks a lot. Um, that's a great point. Um, one of the kind of interesting things I realized when I read, uh, when you read obituaries of very famous people, um, those are often written years in advance. Um, and I once just got very curious about it, and I forget forget who the writer were for, possibly um, the New Yorker or something, very good literary magazine. And they wrote about the process of going and finding somebody, you know, somebody who's famous for some reason or another and saying, you know, I'm here to interview you for your obituary. Um, and, and it was, I mean, it was years and years and years before they died. But, um, you know, if you ever wonder why, you know, when somebody famous dies and uh, newspapers put out a, just an, an exhaustively researched, detailed obituary, you know, hours later, um, it's because they've kept that in a drawer and they just had to pull it out, brush it up and uh, plug in the details and, and let it go. So 
you know that's you know that's something that wealthy and and famous people uh, get that and so there's no reason that you can't have that with with your family but you need to keep in mind um, uh, most papers will charge you and uh, they will often charge you by the word. So you can come up with this wonderful long obituary, and then you'll have sticker shock when they tell you how much it costs to place that. Well, with and preparation comes narrowing yeah, down the word. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe don't use everybody's full name. Well, you know. um, that, that becomes an issue for the family because that's an additional cost. And also, we don't read newspapers and read those obituaries as much as we used to. That, that was at one point... It it was just tradition to go and look and read all of those things. So consider how important that is to your family to have that, mm-hmm. whereas you could post something privately that doesn't cost you. I agree with you. I have I have a, an older lady, and she's just she's wonderful. And she came to me about 20 years ago. And so, Mr. Dean, I want to make my prearrangement. This is what I want. Don't let my children change anything. <laughs> okay. Every time something changes in her life, she comes back to the funeral. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Dean, can you pull my folder? <laughs> I want to change this on my, on my obituary. And it's a joy to see her come once or twice a year sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think it's very important because at the time that you're grieving, I don't care if you yeah. are expecting death, if you know that it's going to happen, when it happens, it still comes as a shock. And we're just not thinking clearly. We're not. And what's wonderful about what what your what one of your favorite customers is doing is that she's easing that burden from her children. Um, her children, one, they don't have to think. Oh my gosh, what would she want? It's already done. I um, remember uh, hear, overhearing at a funeral once that oh so and so yeah you know she had of course prepaid for this and prearranged you know she even picked out how her hair was going to be done and what what color her lips were going to be done you know she you know made sure they knew what clothes she wanted and so I mean I just think that's great you don't have to decide uh, those and you know somebody's like you know here it is and it's a very obvious person who would know that obviously the funeral home director and um, and of course not having to think about go through all the things like what does she want to be remembered for so that's I think that's a great thing that folks can do and I will say this there is a difference between pre planning a funeral and pre-financing a funeral mm-hmm. so you can pre-plan your funeral without having any finances involved. So that's just writing it down somewhere, but not putting down any money to secure that. That is correct. That is correct. Keeping your folder with Mr. Dean. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) But you cannot cannot control the cost at that particular time. You know, so that's that's the only disadvantage for not pre-financing it. But uh, I think it's a great idea to pre-need, to pre-arrange every funeral. All right. uh, This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Many people don't think about funerals, but that's what we're talking about today. And if you have a question, we hope you'll call in today. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. We're also here to take some personal finance questions if you have one. So we talked about it, but what is more popular, cremation or burial? We'll have that information for you when we come back. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks today, we're visiting with Funeral Director Keith Dean of Dean Memorial Funeral Home, and we're talking about some of the expenses related to a funeral. If you have a question for us about funeral expenses or about personal finance, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring. It's one 672 You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Got some callers lining up, but first, Keith, we've been talking about uh, insurance, and uh, if you would explain the difference between burial insurance and the, what we were talking about earlier, pre-need insurance. Burial insurance is for that purpose only. In the olden days, a lot of families did not have the money or the means to pay for their funeral. So it started in the small communities, and they usually at the churches, they would have someone to collect money. The state would only allow you to write burial insurance in increments of $150. So I can write up to $450 per burial insurance. A hundred years ago, I could bury you for that burial policy. Wow, there's a lesson in yes. this <laughs> question. Know, and I know people who have who come to me who's been paying ten cent a month for the last fifty years. So but now in the state of Mississippi, burial insurance has become obsolete. It was replaced with life insurance. Now life insurance through the funeral homes is becoming more obsolete because more and more families now are resorting to pre-need and pre-financing their funeral. So uh, my question with using uh, life insurance or an insurance product to finance a a funeral is you often to uh, make a claim on life insurance, you have to present a death certificate. That often comes, could be weeks after the death. So what What's the is there is there some benefit to doing it in a different way or, or do they just they make up that that well, gap in I, time? I How think does that you work? Can, um, you can actually assign um, part of the benefits to the funeral home, and you sign paperwork saying that they have some right to some of those proceeds. That is correct. <clears throat> One of the problems that we run into with that is a lot of insurance companies now are getting to the point that. Because of all of the privacy, they would take sometimes two, three, five, seven days before they would verify that policy. Mm -hmm. So I may have that policy in front of me, but I don't know if the beneficiary has been changed. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the money, if there's a loan against that particular policy. doesn't the beneficiary, if he's going to assign that to the funeral home, the beneficiary has to sign that, right? The beneficiary has to sign the assignment form to uh, assign. And proceeds over to the funeral provider, correct? All right, got some phone calls to get to. We'll start again. Uh, Kevin has called in from Jackson. Good morning, Kevin. You're on the air. Hi, thank you so much. I really appreciate the show. Um, I have two quick points. The first is I spent several years in Leland, Mississippi, and was able to get to know Lisa Bush and her family, and she's the funeral director up there. And I know her well. Yeah, she just does a phenomenal job of advocating on behalf of the profession and really got me thinking about the role that funeral directors play for society at large. 
um, and really helping us. She's almost like a community counselor yes, in a lot is. of ways. And so just wanted to, to shout out and appreciate her work and the work of the profession. Um, and also, I just wanted to mention, I heard earlier you mentioned that, you know, some people of a younger generation don't necessarily save or plan accordingly. Um, and I, I think that's a very good push. But I also think, you know, there's a lot of uh, societal factors at play as well. And a lot of younger generations are facing, you know, mounting student loan debt and, and you know, a variety of other challenges and it's difficult to, you know, pay for life insurance and pay for retirement and kids' colleges and pay off my own college and all the other different things. And so I wonder how much responsibility it's really fair to put on individuals and how much we need to address societal changes and make sure that we're electing folks who can help us out in that regard as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, as was pointed out earlier, you know, a lot of changes, you know, it's not necessarily just that, oh, you know, it's it's not necessarily just a, a dollars and cents um, figuring, you know, calculation when you when you opt for a cremation. Like you said, a cremation is a lot sometimes a lot faster sometimes um it's sometimes feels a lot more final for people and you know the family that may be what the family wants they may view a funeral process and the embalming and the visitation and the viewing it's just a very long drawn out process and you know again that's why it's important for folks who who do want to be remembered you it's important for folks to have the conversation about how they want to be remembered um, because again you, you can look at the price of you know all of these different services you can have but it is not necessarily the dollars and the cents that are dry, that need to drive that decision or, or driving the decision for different people that is correct when you're making funeral arrangements the law states that every item has to have a price to it there are a lot of things that a family member can opt out of. A family car is not necessary. Uh, there are a lot of items. A visitation is not necessary uh, uh, the day before. You can choose a visitation that morning. Uh, you so, can have so great doing it same day will cut your cost? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes, yeah. yes. The less, the less that is involved. Embalming is not necessary by law. Oh, really? No, it is mm. not. It's not necessary by law. In certain cases, it may call for that, but it's not, in, it's not necessary by law. So you can say, I mean, and, and again, a lot of that's a planning thing. You know, no, is somebody knowing to say, because, you know, the, you know, if y'all are all in the hospital and a loved one dies, you need to, sometimes you need to make a decision fairly quickly. I mean, they will have the funeral home director on the way. Um, and you need to either, you know, have that decision already made so that you're not sitting there like, my goodness, do we want a cremation? Do we want an embalming? How long should this visitation last? What hymn are we going to sing? You know, that's not something you need to be making a decision about. That's not a burden that you need to be placing on your loved ones uh, to be making uh, in the in the moments after you die. By the way, we did ask a question before the last break about uh, the burial versus cremation. And according to the National Funeral Directors Association, in 2015, the rate of burial was 45 percent and the rate of cremation was 47. The projected rate for 20 years from now is 15 percent for burial and 78 percent for cremation. So I think a, Mississippi's still going to be on the other end of what, that. What, yeah. what happened to the other 8%? That's <laughs> rough figures now. Come on now. All right. Burials at sea. Back to the phone lines we go. Jeff is in Byram. Good morning, Jeff. You're on the air with us. 
Hi, Jeff, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I used to work in a um, supporting industry. I know Keith very well. Keith, this is Jeff Taylor. Hey. <laughs> um, and, yeah, yeah, great show, great topic. Um, I just wanted to, to reinforce what's been already said. Uh, we worked in that industry actually designing memorial booklets and programs yes. for families and consulted with a lot of them through that process. And over time, uh, you're exactly right about not being in the emotional state to make those decisions. Um, having the incredible burden of just trying to figure everything out in those moments. And uh, it's so important to plan for those things, even the details of the service or, uh, you know, where you want it to be, what do you want, want to wear, um, uh, things about the, the policies and the locations of various things. It's so important because you're already under a great emotional strain. Uh, and trying to grieve during that time. And it, it, I've just seen it over and over and over again where so many decisions weren't made. And then you see these families agonizing. And then you've got the warring between family members over power. But Mama told me this, or, or Auntie told me this. And, and you know, and, and so that whole dynamic creeps mm, up. You are correct. So you, you see the worst in people. And weddings and funerals, the, the best and the worst. And uh, so the, the more that the actual person can decide for themselves beforehand, the easier it'll be on all of those mm -hmm. uh, that will be taking care of them after they're gone. All right. Yeah. Jeff, good call. Thanks for that call. Uh, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We need to take one final break this hour. We're visiting this hour with a funeral director, Keith Dean of Dean Memorial Funeral Home. Been talking about the expenses related to a funeral. If you have a question about that or a personal finance question, you can give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So what are some popular songs to play at funerals. We'll have that for you after the break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Our guest is Funeral Director Keith Dean of Dean Memorial Funeral Home. And we're talking about funeral expenses today. And our producer, Liz Gill, is playing a song that is one of the popular songs for funerals. That's Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. Other popular tunes are Sarah McLaughlin's I'll Be Seeing You and uh, Billie Holiday. So uh, has a favorite song as well. So that's uh, just a couple of the things that, although... My my personal thing that I don't that doesn't really. What what song do you want? I, 
I don't know. That just seems like an odd choice uh, to me. I would. I, I don't know. I think I'll. I'll be seeing you. Or, I'm sorry. In the arms of the angel, or I'll be. Seeing you, <laughs> I think seems like a better. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm old fashioned. Well, in that you need to take a little time and think about that. That's because true. I think I, I kind of like it. What's been the plan? Planning so important. And I mean, you know, I know a lot of folks listening might be thinking, "Oh, we're just talking about planning this. We're just talking about planning a funeral. We're just talking about like non financial details." You know, planning is a huge, huge part of finances, and it's something you know when you're planning for what happens to your money when you die, what happens to your body when you die, where that money comes from. When you do the plan, that helps you figure out, you know, uh, how the, you know, it's not just that, you know, can my money do this? It's how, how, what are the specific details of, you know, what, you know, pile of dollars is going to pay for this? Um, because that does, I mean, that does affect things in a big way. Um, it's beyond just the can I afford it, but how does it actually happen? All right, let's head back to the phone lines for a couple of calls. We'll start again in, uh, Colum- in Columbus. Yeah, I'm sorry. Nanya on the line. Go ahead. You're on the Hi. air with us. Okay, good morning. Morning. Good morning. Okay, so yesterday was Veterans Day. I'm a veteran. My husband's active duty. And I was wondering what kinds of things do we need to worry about or what does a Veterans Administration take care of? And also, can we be buried together? And is that even an option because we're both veterans, like at a military um you know, gr- uh, grave, whatever. Cemetery, <laughs> that's the word. Yes. 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 So that's my question. A veteran and his family do have the Our right. Family, too. The and his family do have the right to bury in a VA cemetery. They do not assign specific spots for families, but the veteran and the spouse and children can be buried there if they qualify. And I would think if you've got two veterans, that that possibly they would give you some preference there. But that's a large cost of burial is the burial plot if you're not going to do cremation. And so that's a huge help. And the the big issue is, is there a veteran cemetery near Mm -hmm. you? Because some people want to make sure that they're buried near family Mm -hmm. so family can go out and visit. And and I will say there was, we did do uh, an episode, it was a a little while back on veterans benefits and that April included 10th, 2018 whoa hello april 10th 2000 what 2000, 2018 2018 wow i was so young back then uh when we were talking about veterans benefits and i know there was a, a pretty good discussion on on actually the process um and when you should get started and how you should get started on applying for those benefits but those benefits not only if you're buried in a veterans uh cemetery but um my grandfather was a native veteran and they sent uh, they sent a color guard to uh, mm-hmm. just he just had a normal funeral at his own burial plot um, but is that something that the funeral home arranges how does how, how does that process happen at the funeral home we order the military honors that's what it was and yes any uh, vet, veteran that qualifies who has an honorable discharge and can present a DD-214 form uh, the military will do an honor guard the taps and someone to, to fold the American flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my dad, uh, who died a couple of years ago, was a veteran, and that was a very moving part of the ceremony. Yes. Yes. And so, uh, Nanya, so it's uh, April 10th of 2018, and you can find that episode by going to moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Thanks for that very timely question for us. Uh, let's go next to Ben, who has called in from Clinton this morning. Good morning, Ben. Go ahead, please. Good morning. 
morning. Uh, I wanted to commend the work that a lot of the uh, morticians do. Uh, I've been to a lot of funerals over the years. I'm 71 years old now, so I've, I've been to a lot. And uh, I, I think the morticians, generally speaking, do a, a really good job. But I, want, I wanted to tell you about what happened to my grandmother who was 94 when uh, she died she'd had nine children and uh had breastfed all of them and uh the uh that that's important on the rest of the story but of course gravity had taken over and so when when they opened uh, the coffin for us to see her uh from the neck down she looked like Marilyn Monroe I mean, I thought that was you know really inappropriate, uh, but uh, you know, so be it. It, it was, uh, it, you know, it it just it really wasn't appropriate, and I was stunned at that. Uh, the rest of the family didn't say too much about. It. I mean, none of us really said anything about it at the time. Well, that I mean, that's a case of you can plan all of the details of your funeral. Um, and I would want that, by the way. Uh, you can plan all of those details. And there was obviously, you know, something important to her. She did not want to be remembered in one way, and she decided to be remembered in another way. Um, well, Dan, I understand why you go to so many funerals. <laughs> you, just, you, you, you never know what you're going to get. Um, and so for, I wonder about closing that class. <laughs> I told you. Don't always get what you pay for. <laughs> I do appreciate the funeral industry. Though, I appreciate you. I, Thanks, man. I, I appreciate your call. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Good to hear from you. Um, so, uh, Keith, one thing we've not talked about in it, and that is, I guess, you have to buy a, a burial plot in addition to the funeral, I guess. It is correct. Do you help families with that, or is that a completely separate transaction? One thing that I can say about us at Dean's, I own the funeral home, I own a cemetery, and I own a crematory. And they're all oh, on the same location. full service. One call. That's all. What the time? Only one call away. Yeah, yeah. So, but yes, and they're each are separate. The cemetery is totally separate from from the funeral home. Totally separate. Mm. And um, when you look at the cemetery, you have a cemetery. You have to pay for the plot. You have to pay for the opening and closing. You have to pay for an out of burial container. And so all of those, but the deal, and it is it's expensive, but I tell people all the time that I have to be responsible for this person or responsible for these grounds until Jesus comes. Yeah, that's true. So, so tell me, you know, as we're, we're seeing the rise in people choosing cremation, how much do you save by doing cremation? And I have heard of people who um, are cremated, but they still want a plot, a physical place to put the ashes. I have seen the majority of our, we do a lot of cremations, and uh, I've seen people have the complete, what we would call a traditional funeral service, services, visitation, casket, the whole nine yards, and choose cremation as a means of their final disposition. I see that more than anything. Very seldom do I get what we call direct cremation or simple cremation. I do that a lot. But most families want to either view or 
uh, to acknowledge that a lot. Oh, I got you. So, so yeah. I've seen, you know, I've seen cremations. I've seen people spend, you know, several four or five thousand dollars on a, cre- a cremation, uh, on a cremation service, and I've seen people come in and spend nine ninety five or twelve hundred wow. or fifteen hundred dollars. But you on. can save a lot by going that route. If you're you talking can, about an average funeral costing eight thousand, going yes. the traditional route, you yeah. can. Yes, that's what I was saying earlier. The more you take out, the cheaper that it is. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, we've only got uh, maybe about uh, less than a minute left, so I think maybe to kind of review some of the things that we've talked about when it comes to funeral financing and the idea of pre-planning. We thought that that was a good idea. Uh, with the idea of shopping around to make sure that you you get the best deal, but also uh, Keith, as you said, that there are some things that don't necessarily need to be included in a service, and so maybe it's a good idea to get together as a family, find out what the costs are going to be, and then make some informed decisions uh, so that the, you can send the loved one off uh, in the best possible way. That is correct. As I said earlier, I agree with that, but also said that just by being you shopping, look for more than cost, because sometimes you do get what you pay for. So I would not want to go to, um, to find someone who's going to do it lesser expensive and the work doesn't look good and you feel worse after the service than you did beforehand because of the details. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks with your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill and our call screener is Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taff, and Keith Dean, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned up next at 10. It's in legal terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 